Ladies and gentlemen, we are in December, which means it is time. <laughs> is it? Go with the flow, Rory. Okay, it's December. Yes, the not eighth August. month of the year. Not August. <laughs> uh, it's December, which means we are coming at you from the glorious Impala Films headquarters in snowy South End on Sea. Oh, can you turn the heat up? I'm freezing. <laughs> um, and that means, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be talking Christmas movies. Yes. Christmas movies, which I know, I'm sure for some of you, means you won't want to listen to the show for the next month or so, because some people absolutely despise Christmas movies. For me, they're kind of just there. They exist. I watch them at Christmas time. Most of them, I'm like, well, that's cheesy, but okay. Are we going to do Christmas some with the Some of terrible. Uh, not this year. Okay. Because uh, it looks awful. Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, it looks awful. As a couple. It looks awful. Oh, it, it does, doesn't it? It looks awful. Yeah, have you ever seen it? No. It I've looks seen, awful, doesn't it? I've seen, I've seen a review by, I think it's Alison Preglow. It's awful. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, today we are going all the way back to ye old year of 1996 to look at the Terminator himself, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Dun, 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 dun. Teaming up with Anakin Skywalker, Rutro, uh, in Jingle All the Way. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, today we're talking about Jingle All The Way, the 1996 Christmas classic, or at least people tell me it's a Christmas classic. We're going to get on to whether or not it actually is. Um, I I know loads of people who saw this when they were kids, people around my age, who saw this when they were kids, around the time it came out, and to this day swear down that this is one of the best Christmas films ever made. Okay. I don't necessarily feel the same. But let's just take a look at what we're dealing with here. So this came out in 1996. It is directed by Brian Levant. I'm just very quickly, Roy, I'm just going to read you this man's filmography because it's not very long. And it's, um, it's an interesting filmography. Okay. I'm not going to use the word good. <laughs> he seems to exclusively do children's films. All right. Which That's is the interesting. Same for Columbus. Um, so he, he, he started in 1991. This was only his fourth film. So he he did Problem Child 2. 2? Two. Ba- 2. Started off with a sequel. Beethoven, which is about a big dog in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I know Beethoven. The Flintstones movie, no, right. which I have seen I with right. John Goodman in it. Mm. Jingle All The Way. Flintstones 2, Viva Rock Vegas, which I've also seen and it's awful. Mm. Uh, and they didn't get any of the original cast back for it. No, because it was awful. Snow Dogs. Yeah. Are We There Yet? <laughs> 
I mean, that's that's sounds... Ice Cube and Steve Martin. That is, isn't it? Is it? Are we there? Yeah, I'm sure it's it Ice Cube and is, Steve Martin. But... Oh no, it's just Ice Cube. It's just Ice Cube. I think I'm thinking of Daddy Daycare. That's Steve right. Martin. Um, the Spy Next Door, which is an awful-looking Jackie Chan movie from 2010, um, an American spy action comedy um, starring um, Jackie Chan along with Billy Ray Cyrus, Hannah Montana's dad. And his last film in 2017, Max 2, White House Hero. Max 2. Yeah, so Max 1, I remember coming out in cinemas. Max is a based on a true story film about an army service dog who um, I think was involved in the Iraq war or something. Right. But but look at these differences in posters. I'm afraid the audience won't be able to see this, but um, dramatic poster, yeah, for yeah. Max 1. That's Max 1. Right, so it's a dog on a mountain yeah. looking going heroic. for a bit of Going for a bit of a different tone with Max 2. <laughs> How cheap does that look? <laughs> It's a dog on the White House lawn looking badly photoshopped. Happy. Oh yeah, like I mean that's American Pie style bullshittery. That is literally that that that's not even the the theatrical American Pies. That is the direct DVD yeah. American Pies, yeah. where clearly they couldn't get any of the actors around on the same day, yeah. so they just photoshopped them all together. Anyway, which is ironic because that's how all the big budget posters like the Marvel movies are now done. Mm. <laughs> it's just like oh, we get them all on different days and photo yeah. them on green screen. Anyway, back to Jingle All the Way. It was written by Randy Cornfield. Randy. Randy Cornfield. Corn spelt that with sounds like a porn star Mate, name. Corn spelt with a K. Oh. So, do you think he's a fan of... Um, oh. Do you think he's... That's a gothic porn yeah, star. Do, do you think he's a freak on a leash? <laughs> oh. Do you think he's listening to this on his twisted transistor? <laughs> I like these jokes. I wish I could join in, but I haven't actually heard a lot of corn. They're crap. I used to Is like... Is the master of puppets? That's Metallica. Yeah, told you I didn't know much about Corn. I used to, I used to like Corn when I was younger, and I still like some of their songs. But I was um, follow the leader was their first album, wasn't it? It was. I think that was the first one. Yeah. See, I can have like a metaler. Produced by Chris Columbus. (laughs) Yep. Um, with cinematography by Victor J. Kemper. Um, None of these are as good porn star names as so, Randy Cornfield. Victor Kemper is now retired because he's 96 goddamn years old. He was from 93 to 96 the president of the American Society of Cinematographers. You're going to say the president of the United States. Um <laughs> and he has it looks like he's been the um he's been the cinematographer on some pretty good movies actually. I mean, but cinematographer all, doesn't necessarily make or break a but, film. But also on some very bad films. Oh, what a way to go out. Do you know what his last film was before he retired? Go on, him. He was the cinematographer on the third instalment of the Bring It On series. <laughs> That's oh. a way to go out, isn't it? Fucking hell. to go out on a high, obviously. And anyway, this film stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sinbad, Rita Wilson, Robert Conrad, Jake Lloyd... Anakin Skywalker himself, Jim Belushi, and the late, great Phil Hartman. And we're not going to make jokes about Phil Hartman. It's incredibly sad what happened to him. Um, so Is that the guy who was the, the voice actor in Simpsons? Of Troy McClure, yeah. yeah. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. His wife killed His him. His wife killed him, yeah. Shit. Yeah, I remember that story. Um, I, I thought I recognised the voice. So I, I swear it's that guy. Yeah, every um, time when he's talking about... I'm just mm, hearing these, Troy co- these cookies are so good, all I could hear was, I'm Troy McClure. <laughs> he's got such a distinctive voice. Yeah. And, and I'm he, not going to lie... Um, I think probably best part of this movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's the, he's the it's best the best actor performance. In it. Yeah, yeah, he's the best performance in the film because uh, he's so he's so hateable. Yeah, because he's, he's so, just, and slimy. Yeah, he's such a goody two shoes, isn't he? Yeah. Um, that bit near the end, I know I'm jumping ahead, but that bit near the end when he's trying to get make a move on Schwarzenegger's wife, mm. and he's like, you know, I'm. I'm a very eligible bachelor, if you haven't noticed. And it's like, fuck you. <laughs> um, this movie um, uh, may, was made for a budget of $75 million. And its box office gross was $129.8 million. Okay. Uh, its reception, it opened... So it on its opening weekend, it made $12.1 million. Opening at number four behind Star Trek First Contact, <laughs> Space Jam, and a film called Ransom, which I've never heard of. Oh, Ransom. Uh, it's got Mel Gibson in it. The only one of those that I've not yet seen, and it annoys me. I have got it on Blu-ray, but I haven't watched it particularly because we're going to cover it on this show, is Space Jam. Yeah. I've seen Ransom. That's our season one finale, I think. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of Star Trek, so I have seen First Contact, the best of the next-gen films. Um but it's also just an action movie. Mm. Not particularly layered. Uh, but anyway, the it, that's a great film. That's fine that it beats this, to be honest. It deserves mm. to. Uh, Ransom. Ransom's an odd movie. Mm. It's Mel Gibson. And his son, and I think it's his son and wife, or much be his son. I think it's just his son, actually, gets kidnapped by terrorists of some kind who basically just want to ransom him. They, yeah. We want several million. Now, the, what's weird about the film is... While it's got some grit to it, it would largely be child-friendly, except for he says the word fuck every other line. Right. And it's like, literally, it's, they put the word fuck into the story multiple times to ensure it got an adult rating, because there's not really anything else right. in it that's that brutal. So, <laughs> it um, is an odd one. And funnily enough, so when it released in the UK, mm. it was top of the box office. So, interesting. Uh, and that is interesting because we'll talk a bit more about this later, but you said you thought this would do better in America than in Britain. Yeah. But it looks like it might have done better in the UK. Wow. Um, but to be fair, we were, the UK in the 90s, I think, was very big on Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah, we loved the Schwartz. So in terms of its, um, <laughs> in terms of its um, reception, yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes, it has an approval rating of 19%. Oh, it's not that bad a film, Jesus. Um, yeah. Um Critic Mike Drucker said, despite its fairly entertaining build-up and somewhat serious commentary on materialism during the holidays, the end of the movie takes a realistic conceit and adds in comedy sci-fi elements. Not only does this movie take a turn for the cartoony, but the end is basically everybody laughing and learning their lesson without any realistic resolution to the situation. It's as if the screenwriters couldn't figure an easy way out of Howard's situation, so they added in slapstick comedy and the ending from an episode of Full House. Um... That sounds about right, to be honest. Yeah, the critical consensus on Sh on Rotten Tomatoes reads, Arnold Schwarzenegger tries his best, but Jingle All The Way suffers from an uneven tone, shifting wildly from would-be satire on materialism to an antic slapstick yuck-fest. Um, well, yeah. Emmanuel Levy felt the film was highly formulaic and criticised the direction as being little more advanced than a television sitcom. Ooh, burn to TV sitcoms there. Um, that's I mean, not good. I'm just trying to think. I, I, to be fair, there isn't anything particularly cinematic in the no. way this was shot. No, there's not. So it could. It, I mean, if it was had less I budget do... and obviously didn't have Arnie and stuff in it, yeah. you could do this as a TV film. 
quite yeah. easily. It would work as that medium. It probably was designed to, to be honest, because it would need to be watchable for pan and scan TVs of its era, mm. and it would need to be watchable next Christmas and the Christmas after, yeah. so that the studio would basically reap more of its money back. Yeah. So it was probably designed to be as TV-friendly as it could be. Yeah. There's not much that happens at the sides of the frame, no. which suggests to me it was designed with the idea that this will go out, this will be played at home mostly, yeah. and you don't need to see the action at the sides yeah. of the frame. Uh, BBC's Neil Smith criticised the script, um, its focus on commercialisation, and criticised Schwarzenegger's performance, saying it shows the comedic timing of a dead moose. Oh, I don't know about that. Put that cookie down! Put the cookie down! Which is only obviously only written that way so that he had a line that he could try and make a catchphrase out of. To be fair, it works. Yeah, it's and the worst I've ever heard trying to make a catchphrase out of an Arnie line. Yeah, is uh, a terrible film he was in uh, called uh, Raw Deal. Mm. And is that the one where he plays a Russian? No, no, that's oh. Red Heat. Red Heat. Red Heat's all right. It's not great, but it's all right. Um, Raw Deal is a terrible film, doesn't really do much. But also, the the only potential quotable line, and it's so over-convoluted it doesn't work, he comes home, his wife's drunk and pissed off with him. He goes, you're drunk again? And she throws this birthday cake at him, because I think he missed his birthday or something like that. It slams against the cupboard wall next to him and splats on the floor, and he just goes, you should not drink and bake. That's lame. Yeah, and it's like... There's only one reason you'd write a line like that is you think it's going to be a catchphrase. Yeah. But it sucks, so it didn't yeah. become one. And lastly, our old friend Roger Ebert gave the film two and a half stars, writing that he liked a lot of the movie, which he thought had energy and humour which would have mass audience appeal. He was, however, disappointed by its relentlessly materialistic view of Christmas and by the choice to go with an action and mild with action and mild violence over dialogue and plot. Yeah. Um it also uh, it was nominated for a Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Direction. Wow, the director's Brian really Williams. taking a punch from this film. Yeah, um, yeah. Ooh. Uh, and also, I don't know if you know this because most people don't. And dear Lord, hopefully we never ever have to see it. Um, many many years later, over eighteen years later, the rights to Jingle All the Way to produce a sequel were purchased. Oh. By Vincent Kennedy McMahon and WWE Studios, who made Jingle All the Way 2, which went straight to DVD, starring Larry the Cable Guy, the awful comedian Larry the Cable Guy, and ex WWE wrestler Santino Morella. Anywho. So there you go, there is a sequel to Jingle All the Way, in case you didn't know that, which I'm sure you probably Have didn't. Have you seen it? I have not. Fuck no. I think I've you'd have seen... watched every Fuck WWE no. film. No, production. I watched when they first started as a company. Yeah. I watched probably the first like seven or eight films they made, and quickly realised that nearly all of them are terrible. Um, and I will not watch anything with Larry the Cable Guy. I made the mistake of watching one thing with Larry the Cable Guy in it. He might be the least funny comedian there has ever been. Wow. I would. I would rather watch Ricky Gervais than Larry the Cable Guy. So what, I, I haven't really seen any Larry the Cable. He's guy, just not funny. He's he's a right wing redneck, right? And that's the joke. Oh, that's his only joke. Yeah. Oh, I like NASCAR. Ugh. Okay. Uh, okay, I don't care. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's funnier if you're American. Maybe. 
Anywho, um, okay, first of all, let, let's start with casting in this movie, because ne we should never live in a world where Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a character named Howard Langston. No, it should be, How it should be um, Larry Cable Guy. That makes more sense. I'm not going to lie. That makes more sense. Like, this script must have been written with someone else in mind. Oh, yeah. It must the, have sure. been. Because this character is clearly meant to be a middle-aged, schlubby, slightly schlubby. So Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Vince Vaughn, Michael Keaton. Yep. Um, who Michael else would have been would good? Do the, would do the drama better than Vince Vaughn, but Vince yeah. Vaughn would also have the... Would be known as a comedic actor more. Uh, certainly yeah. at this was point. he back then in '96? This is the same year he. This is the same year he did Lost World, the Jurassic Park sequel. What Vince Vaughn? Vince Vaughn's in Lost World, Jurassic Park. I no, '96. This is the same year he did Psycho. Oh yeah, good point. Good point. Either way, he's he's a bit more of an everyman. I think that's yeah. the idea, isn't it? Is Luke Howardson. Yeah, it, the idea is this character is meant to be an everyman. Yeah, and not Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger. is Because, like, right at the end, I know we're jumping ahead of it, but my biggest problem with the whole film is at the end when people are acting like they don't know he's Turbo Man. I'm sorry, how many people do you know that talk like this? <laughs> the minute he goes, Jamie, come get your doll, that kid should be like, oh, oh hey, that. Dad. No one gets it. It's so weird. I like to imagine this is the origin story, the real I'm origin story. man. I like to imagine this is the real origin story of Darth Vader, though. That he was just disappointed <laughs> that his dad kept letting him down. And that's why he went on to become Darth Vader. <laughs> well, technically, in uh, the prequel Star Wars trilogy, his dad lets him down completely. Exactly. He never turns up, doesn't even know who he is. Because isn't there an implication oh, in the prequels that he is literally just born from the Force? Yeah. Like a fucking G evil Jesus. Basically. I swear, baby, it was an immaculate conception. <laughs> Don't lie to me, Mary. Who you been fucking? <laughs> I got fucked by God. Me meanwhile, these <laughs> three shepherd's boys are sneaking out the back. <laughs> pulling up their pants. Yeah, um, yeah, Arnold. Arnold's a very weird fit in this movie. But, having said that, the film kind of only works because it's Arnold. It, it's so ridiculous. You couldn't that. have this ending with... if it, Let's say it was Michael Keaton. Yeah. This ending would be ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous anyway. Yeah. But it would be ridiculous. But at least you could believe people would see him as Turbo Man because he's ripped as shit. Whereas, like, Michael Keaton almost always has been in good shape. Mm. But, like, not Arnold Schwarzenegger-style, like, yeah. hench. But that's the also part. The thing is, the, the casting of Arnold is both a strength for the thing because it, mm. it's an immediate draw. That's the main reason why I think anyone even bothered watching it. One hundred percent, one hundred and ten percent. And it's also, you know, he works in terms of being able to put on the Turbo Man suit and be believably mm. considered to be a guy performing Turbo Man. Yeah, it doesn't work in the fact that his actual character in it is a you know workaholic. Guy who's always at work doesn't do anything else mm. like so much so that he misses every all the events with his family, mm. but he's the most henchman in the and, room, and he doesn't feel overworked either. No, Arnie always has. I don't know if you've ever noticed Arnie, especially nineties era Arnie, and this is a good this is a good thing, and mm. I think it's a big part of his appeal. <laughs> he always he always seems like he's having so much fun yeah. acting. Yeah. Which is good, obviously. I'm glad he had a lot of fun. But 
you're meant to believe that he's this like chronically overworked dad, but he's literally there with the biggest fucking childlike yeah, grin yeah. on his face. You're my number one customer. You're my number And even when he accidentally says and it to his wife. And he's on the wa- phone talking to him. It's not in front of yeah. him. Yeah. And when he accidentally says it to his wife, it's not like, oh shit, I fucked up. Like if it was Michael Keaton, he'd be like, God damn it. It's a oopsie sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. You can always yeah. imagine him doing a Britney Spears and be like, oops, I did it again. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I'd say Arnold's acting in this film is, is far from his best. Let's put it that way. There's parts where you know he's... He, he feels like he's acting. Mm. Like, like I know everyone who's acting should feel like they're acting. Like, but the whole point is we're meant to be soaked into them to yeah, believe. You're not soaked in. You're no. watching it going. This is this, this is, is the Arnie Terminator sitting there going, being uh-huh. silly. Yeah, yeah. This is the Terminator punching a reindeer in the <laughs> face. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, the amount of crime he commits throughout this oh, film. Can we just talk- Talking about... To be fair, this kid, his obsession with this toy. I remember being that young, and I remember liking toys, but I was never so obsessed with any toy that I literally could quote the small print on the advert word for word. That bit happens, and I was like, this is horrifying. This is a commentary um, on you You did, didn't you? Not me. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, me it and a, my it brother. Was, it was a Stretch Armstrong, wasn't it? No, no, it wasn't. Me and my Barbie. brother. No, it was Ghostbusters. It was a Barbie. It was you Ghostbusters. Can, you can admit it, Rory. It was a Barbie. It was Ghostbusters. It was Barbie's In Ghost, this day and age, if it was a Barbie, house. I'd admit it was a Barbie. It'd get me more kudos than Ghostbusters. <laughs> but no, it was Ghostbusters. We wanted the truck, that, like the uh, Ghostbusters car. We wanted the fi- like the fire station that they are in. So um, which we me, did get. me letting you have the Acto-1 in Haunted's kind of wish fulfillment for you. Mate, I fucking love the Acto-1. Shame, it's just audio, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, if we ever did a film version, I would expect you to hire the Ecto-1 for me. I'll just call Harold. Old Ramis's estate. Well, no, there are people that do right that have reproductions of. Mm. I'd be happy with that. Get me the Ecto One, chain. <laughs> but anyway, um, Phil Hartman is obviously the MVP of this movie. Um, yeah, he's the best one in it. Yeah. Um, the the wife is kind of there, like she doesn't do a bad job, but she doesn't stand out either. They don't really give her an arc. You yeah. Know. To be fair, she's got. Unfortunately for this actress. There's nothing to that character she's there beyond to... beleaguered mother. Yeah, she's there to nag Arnie's character, mm. be there as base base level mum for the kid, yeah. and then to be the foil like the the the, the foil of all of Phil Hartman's attention. Mm. But she doesn't really have an arc. She doesn't learn anything. She doesn't develop. She doesn't grow. She's just sort of the nag for one person and the victim of the other. Yeah, and but she doesn't. She doesn't, even though she's tricked by Phil Hartman into thinking that he's a good guy, yeah. there's not a revelatory moment where she learns something from figuring out that he's actually a douchebag yeah. just trying to shag everyone in town. She never has that moment. Yeah. Why? I tell you what, Phil like, Hartman, that would have been easy to put in. Phil Hartman's got the best line in the film, and I hadn't remembered it, because everyone always remembers, put the cookie down. Put the cookie down. But... Phil Hartman's actually got the best line film because it's blatantly a line. If we're right, and this wasn't written for Schwarzenegger, it's blatantly a line that was added on the day. He might even have improved it because Schwarzenegger's in it because there's no build up to it, no sell to it, no. and that's when he, when Schwarzenegger fucks up and he almost burns down his house and he gets caught trying to steal the present. Yeah, um, and his wife basically has a massive argument and walks away almost like she's left him, sort of thing. 
And he just turns around. Phil Hartman just turns around really spiteful and goes, you can't bench press your way out of this one. (laughs) And you're like, where did that come from? Because at no point have any of them referenced that he's actually Arnold Schwarzenegger shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's not in the rest of the script. It's the no. only line in that fact, references de- his in size. Fact, did you notice they deliberately dress him to try and hide it? Oh, yeah. He's wearing, like, baggy clothes. There are certainly no predator close-ups of his bulging biceps. Yeah, which is a shame, because that's, that's what that's I That's kind of what I was there for. <laughs> All right. <if laughs> I'm kidding, what... <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. You do you. Um, um, Sinbad's fine in the movie. I mean, he does. He, he plays the part fine. Um, it's a very weird character, Sinbad's character. Yes. Because um, there's almost, there's no sympathy towards him at all, is there? No. Even when he, ta- like, I mean, this is a grown man who blames blames the fact that he's a loser on the fact that he didn't get one specific toy as a kid. Yeah. And it's like, dude, grow the fuck up. But he does have one of the few jokes, he has one of the few jokes that f- did work for me in the film. Yeah. Which is when he fakes the letter bomb with the principal from Sabrina. Yeah. Uh, in the radio station. It's yeah, the principal yeah, yeah. from Sabrina, no, it isn't that. it? That was fun. Principal Kraft, I want to say. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he fakes the letter bomb. And then in, in a following scene, he fakes the letter bomb again. Yeah. Except this time, the, him and Arnie run away. And the cop's like, don't worry, I used to be on the Bob squad. Opens it and it actually blows up. And... um. Sinbad's running away and he stops he looks back he goes wait that was really a bomb it's a sick world we live in a sick world (laughs) and that actually did make me laugh although it's actually not funny when you think that people there was a time when people were sending letter bombs yeah um, around that time yeah Um, it was was a problem wasn't it at the time yeah um, so actually maybe it's not that funny (laughs) no but it so according to this I'm just looking at some trivia okay um you're going to tell me this was tailor-made for Arnie, aren't you? I'm not saying that. Um, apparently, I'm just saying that Sinbad's lines apparently were mostly ad-lib, as were most of Arnie's responses. Um, I, I'm not sure I believe that. That's no no offence to Arnie. I, I, I can believe Sinbad improved everything. Yeah. I don't... Te- maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misjudging Schwarzenegger. I don't think Arnie is a improv-type actor. He's barely a normal type actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he on, Arnie only signed on for the film in Feb, and it was shot so quickly. It, yeah, it just seems he was brought on board really last minute. Um, uh, that it, would make sense to me. Yeah. It really feels like this was meant to have another actor in it that who dropped then out. dropped out, and the, they ended up with Schwarzenegger. Yeah, there's no mention of Schwarzenegger's character meant to be played by someone else, but there is a mention... Of Sinbad's character meant to be played by someone else. So it was actually Arnold Schwarzenegger's agent that suggested Sinbad. Uh, because apparently the original idea was that that character was going to be Joe Pesci. Okay. So, uh, but Different movie. It's, yeah. It's much more threatening when Joe Pesci threatens you with a letter bomb. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think what it... it, it Apparently he was rejected because Joe Pesci was too short, but he'd already done two films with Danny DeVito even shorter than Joe Pesci. Yeah. So it was a kind of an odd odd reason. Or mate, it doesn't say it on here. Potentially, um, yeah, it, it's potentially because maybe they actually thought it'd be too similar to having Danny DeVito again. Yeah, maybe having him big and short, but. 
Yeah, it's there's no mention of who else was in contention for Arnie's role. Maybe they thought as well, because obviously this ends with a big fight. Maybe they thought it would just look weird, Arnie beating up a little guy. <laughs> Joe, both Pesci going toe-to-toe with Arnie. Yeah, I wouldn't put my money on Joe Pesci in that, unless he had a knife. So, but in which case, to equal that out, yeah, it's, it makes sense that they got... Like, Sinbad would be a ridiculous pick if it wasn't for the fact that Schwarzenegger himself is already a ridiculous pick. Yeah. Um, and what's weird is that by putting Arnie in it, it also puts them in a corner because then Sinbad has to, the character who Sinbad plays has to be a big guy. Yeah. Otherwise, that fight seems unequal. Yeah. But then you've got to find someone even bigger. Do you know who I could imagine? For the big Santa, which they yeah. did find with the big show. The show. But at the same time, you're like, how much easier would it have been to cast a big show character yeah. if your starting average dude wasn't Schwarzenegger? Yeah. <laughs> I um I tell you who I could picture in this movie who did a Christmas movie not long after well I say not long after it's about ten years after this Tim Allen no um <laughs> have you ever seen Deck the Halls no so that's Matthew Broderick and Danny DeVito right I could see this with Broderick in the Schwarzenegger role and DeVito in the Sinbad role okay because uh, Deck the Halls is very similar where they're, they're, they're like. DeVito's like they're fighting over something pathetic sure in in this it's obviously trying to get a toy in that it's whose whose house has the most lights on it that seems to be a very weirdly American thing is that yeah. people compete over lights because apparently that's also a storyline in Christmas with the cranks yeah uh, there's a part where like the neighbour is like oh well, you know I may put lights on your because I know she didn't have any lights and it's yeah. like in England you'd get fucking Bitch slapped. Yeah. If you climbed on someone else's house and set up Christmas lights, I went, well, I'd say you didn't set any up, so yeah. I thought I'd do this for you. It's like, bitch, get the fuck off my house. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't, nobody said Which is gonna... ironic, because you'd think, in, you'd think it'd be the opposite way. In America, you'd think if you climbed on someone's house and put a thingy, you'd be eating fucking bookshop for breakfast. Yeah. Get but, off of my property. But Bang. it's fine, because you're doing it for the spirit of Christmas. Jesus. It's all for Jesus. I think as well it'd be a bit harder in the UK to like just start putting lights on people's houses because you wouldn't... Let's be honest. I think we've got more... Usually these are set in smaller suburbs. Yeah. Whereas in the UK, unless you're in very particular areas which are very small, you don't know if everyone in that house... We're also not majority Christian in the UK anymore. Yeah. Like in America, they're still majority Christian. Whereas in the UK, I think atheism is now the majority, quote-unquote religion. Um but then there's also like a lot of Muslims, yeah. odds, like that, are not quite, but nearly equal Christians now. Yeah. And it's so it's like putting Christmas lights in someone's house. Yeah. You really and and we just also like I don't want to be controversial here. We just don't like fun in the UK. Yeah, even they do Halloween. But that one thing that I do lament is that we don't do Halloween as well as America. Yeah. Like Christmas, I don't care about, but. We're really Halloween cynical should be about, much more fun. Yeah, we're really cynical about things in the UK. Yeah, you can't have too much fun. Yeah. Fun within a framework. Yeah, well, it's because it's... people don't want the effort. Yeah. And they don't want to clean up and whatnot. Yeah, I can't be asked with this. Yeah. You know, it's like... I'm guilty of it myself. Yeah. I've lived alone for like five years now. Those five... So I've, I think I've had four or five Christmases alone, right? Oh. I don't decorate the house. I don't, because why would I bother when it's just me? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, bear in mind, I don't have any Christmas decorations because I, I let my ex keep them all. Yeah, my ex got all of mine. So it would be effort for me to go and buy all decorations, put them up in a small flat, 
and there's only me here. Yeah. So, but that's me being just as guilty because what I should do because my well, friend, I, my friend lives alone. She's still decorated, and she decorated. I don't mean she just put up a tree up. She did loads. Yeah. Yeah. But um. But yeah, I'm hoping when I get my own flat, I'll be like I'm. I'd like to decorate it a bit. I mean, I want to decorate it in my own shit anyway. Yeah. But like to be able to decorate it for Christmas again because I did enjoy doing that. Yeah. I finally started putting my posters up again. I, I only saw. lived here for two years. Golden it's not quite up even, but oh well. That's all right. Um, no lace or leather. So the the <laughs> the comedy in this, this, a lot of it is very slapstick. Yes. Like the bit where they storm the store, the store, yeah. um, and they literally run over the clerk. Um, and they d- they get the boot prints. The boot prints. They fight over the raffle balls, don't they? Yep. Um, and, and then, then he, he g- grabs a girl in a ball pit because yeah. she's put the ball in her mouth. And it's like, ease up Schwarzenegger. Yeah. <laughs> um, is, but uh, that's also ease up director because obviously that didn't have to... Like, I understood the girl, the girl took the ball. looked like a boy. I didn't know it was a girl. Except when he says... Yeah, I know. I was shocked when he said little girl. Yeah, and I was, I was like, like, are you sure, Arnie? Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> But the bit that didn't make any sense is the girl's in the ball pit. He picks up another big ball, a big, a bigger ball, like not yeah. the small you want one. This red shiny yeah, ball. Just, uh, how about we trade? And it's like, do you really think she's gonna trade? She's surrounded by the ball. She's in the ball pit. Yeah. Like picking up one of those balls is not the same. But then she puts it in her mouth. Well, kids do that, don't they? But then he tries to force it out of her mouth. I know. <laughs> it's like, oh, this hasn't aged well. Um. <laughs> And then you obviously have, he meets Jim Belushi, yes. who is a mall Santa, mm-hmm. and um, he says, oh, I know how to get a, a mm. Turbo Man doll. Um, it's very funny, is it, that no one likes the other Turbo Man, the sidekick? Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which I think is a reference to He-Man, isn't it? Because didn't He-Man have a sidekick called, like, Man Beast or something that no one liked? Uh... Oh, see, uh, mm, I don't recall there being one that no one liked, but I was quite young when this came yeah. out. Still, uh, it, if anything, I would imagine it's Man at Arms that Man they're talking Arms. about. Because Man at Arms was <laughs> here's a line that just makes me laugh because it's so ridiculous. Bear in mind the real the world of He Man. You've got fucking He Man himself, who's mm. ridiculous. Cringor, his battle cat. You've got Skeletor, a man who's a buff battle cats who i was thinking of oh because this thing's like a tiger thing yeah i think it it might be cringe or the the battle cat that he has but there's (laughs) man at arms has this line in one of the human episodes where he just goes this kid goes he goes who the hell are you and he's like my name's man at arms he goes that's a stupid name and and he goes my friends call me duncan I don't know why. Fuck. The fact his fucking name is Duncan <laughs> in the middle of He-Man. And he's <laughs> but the kid just replies, well, that's a stupid name as well. And I'm yeah. like, yes, it is. That's actually weirder than Man at Arms for the universe yeah, yeah, you're in. We have a friend named Duncan. Don't say it's a stupid no, name. It's a stupid name for the universe they're in. Yes. Because it's He-Man, Man at Arms, and Duncan. And Duncan. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Doesn't, he, doesn't He-Man, isn't He-Man's real name Adam, though? Yeah, but that's Prince Adam. Oh, well, Prince makes it's all the difference. Prince does make all the difference. So anyway, he's got purple haze. They go to um, <laughs> uh, they go to like this dodgy warehouse where there's a load of Santas who are basically shipping Spanish versions of Turbo Man that aren't, that properly, aren't assembled. properly assembled. Um, Arnold demands his money back, and this is where you get cameos from Vern Troyer from Austin Powers, yeah, and from the Big Show from WWE, yep. 
Um, I think he's in AEW now, but who cares? He's way past the point where he should have retired, so who cares? Um, and Big Show punches Vern Troyer. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Vern Troyer dies. <laughs> well, no, Vern Troyer survives long enough to be in Postal. Mm. I mean, if it was a legit punch, I'm pretty sure Vern Troyer would be dead. Yes. Oh, well, I don't know. Big Show's fist is the size of a normal man's head. Yeah, I know, but Troyer is, like, compact, so, like, all the bones would be closer together, so it would protect against the impact more. I don't think that's how that works. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Imagine me as a doctor. Let's, let's get to the end of the film, because the film takes... Uh, well, no, sorry. Let's first of all talk about how big an arsehole Schwarzenegger is, because yeah. he then... After he's, you know, been through all this and he hasn't managed to get a Turbo Man doll, he then decides, fuck it, the fact my neighbour's an arsehole means I'm justified in stealing his son's present. Yeah. Again, not the son, the son's done nothing wrong. No, but I, I sort of figured that this was going to happen uh, because it's mentioned that before he goes for the hunt for the... Oh, yeah, Turbo 100%. Man. When he's like, it's... I got mine weeks ago, oh. it's sitting right under yeah, my like, tree. Well, yeah, it's this... like, well, Arnold's going to steal that. Yeah, this guy's too annoying and he's already given Arnie his out yeah. straight away. Let me ask you, was it a weird thing when they're like, um, they treat um, Phil Hartman putting the star on top of the tree Yeah, when Schwarzenegger usually does it every year. They they proper try and make that like a oh he's stealing your manhood type thing yeah and it's like dude it's a fucking star on top of a tree but I it's think, about what the star represents but it? again like with the bits I've seen from Christmas with the cranks and stuff like that in America at least as far as their media shows this may just be the media that the way they ramp shit up in Christmas movies. Mm. But it does seem to be like there's a, a... The man of the house puts the star on top yeah, of the Yeah, and the man of the house puts the lights up. Like It, it, it happened a few times in uh, Home Improvement, the TV mm. series with Tim Allen. Uh, and no doubt it happened, it happened in Christmas with the Cranks with Tim Allen. <laughs> happens in a lot of stuff with Tim Allen. Uh, but this... <laughs> that man has a lot to answer for. Except for Home Improvement, it's great. Um, oh! Oh! It's... <laughs> Sorry, I do love Home Improvement. Um, yeah, it, it it seems to be a thing that happens frequently. And I think there's been like nods to it in things like Modern Family and things like that. Not quite as extreme. Tim Allen seems to like to push it to his top level yeah. of insanity. But yeah, it seems to happen regularly in American TV and cinema. Which, it again... Completely different from yeah. the UK. Oh no, my manhood's being infringed because someone else put the star on the tree. Yeah, if I came home and someone had put the star on the tree, quite often, back when I was in a relationship, it was my ex that did yeah. it because it was also her tree in her house. And I would be like, don't you dare put that star on the tree. It's my job. My tree. I put the star on the tree. You know, I don't understand. It's just not something that's British. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't understand it as a a, 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 a pinnacle yeah. of masculinity. So so him fighting the reindeer is dumb as fuck. We can agree on that, right? I don't understand why there's an angry reindeer and why he punched... Because the reindeer story arc never gets resolved. And the reindeer behaves like a dog as well. Yeah. Like it literally like and growls it at him and whatnot. Yeah, it snarls. And I'm pretty certain there's a lion sound or something like that they use as the, yeah. the snarl noise. Because reindeers don't snarl like that. Yeah. Um... Yeah, he then gets the the last you see of the reindeer is he actually gets the reindeer drunk. drunk. Did you notice? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that, that's the last we see of the reindeer. Mm. And you're like, it, 
are we teaching kids to get reindeer drunk? Like yeah. what? Because this is the point where the whole film just takes a, a twist for the bizarre. Because he ends up going to the parade, and through a mix-up, he ends up getting put in the Turbo Man outfit for the parade. For the parade. Mm. Now, foot right, okay. I know it's just a Christmas film, we shouldn't be picking it apart. But let's say that happens, because Arnold happens to be built big. Why on earth would the Turbo Man suit at a parade have a working jetpack, working discs it can throw? Yep. And why, why would the villain's what's costume the villain works Dementor? as well? Dementor. Yeah. He's actually why would Dementor's fist fire like a weapon? <laughs> like, <laughs> it didn't make any sense. Like, what the... F- so, yeah, the, the finale is really where the film falls apart. Like, the rest of yeah. it is all right, but... The rest of it plays like um, like a Christopher Columbus style Christmas movie. Christmas yeah. movie, but then that finale. Christmas is gone. It's out the window. Christmas is. Yeah, it's now just about Turbo Man and yeah. the the superhero element. It's but it's actually time. yeah, but it's actually playing it as a superhero. Yeah, and it's, it's like, so but we weird. haven't had that before. Like uh, the whole point is Arnie's a normal everyday man, which yeah. may sound ridiculous, but that's the premise you gave yeah. me. I feel like they must have rewritten the entire third act when Arnie came on board. Yeah. Because I can't imagine them doing that with, like we said, Michael Keaton or someone. Yeah. <laughs> and Joe Pesci. Yeah. Joe Pesci's fist coming off and punching someone in the face. Yeah. You know, it's... It, it, obviously, those things are set up at the beginning... Mm. Yeah, but it doesn't make sense for them to happen in reality. Yeah. And like I said, no one would be surprised it's Arnold no, because as no. soon as he opens his mouth, you'd be like, "Oh, Howard." Yeah. See, where with Terminator, Arnie was supposed to be Reese, and it was meant to be O.J. Simpson as mm. the Terminator because O.J. Simpson's a nice guy. Yeah, uh, and uh, also he would blend into a crowd more. <clears throat> When they saw Arnie, when when James Cameron saw Arnie, he was looking at him and the way the light hit his face and the way he's built. Mm. This guy's got to be the Terminator. Yeah. Now, it it technically doesn't make sense to build someone like Arnie to blend into a crowd because yeah. he doesn't blend into a crowd. Yeah. But, but with it the makes term- sense that he's a machine. Yeah, and like the way he manoeuvres, the, like the shape, the size of him, he's got to hide complex mechanics. Mm. It won't necessarily be a tiny person. Yeah. It's got to be quite built. Arnie's the right fit for that. So even though logically he fails at the mission of blending in, mm. he works as a robot. Yeah. With this him being like they they can't make a decision on what he should be because he should be an average looking guy yeah but he's built like a brick shit house but then the way that the ending is wouldn't work if he wasn't built like a brick shit house because he'd just be i don't know average man yeah like imagine, he wouldn't he wouldn't get mixed up for turbo no man. like a guy imagine if you put like i don't know who's the dude kevin um not kevin smith or Kevin Smith, but like uh, Kevin James. Yes, yeah, the guy Paul Blart Morcar. Yes, it. Yeah, you could like I could imagine this film with him in the lead, yeah. but then this ending wouldn't work. So that that's how Larry the Cable Guy's built. He's built like Jared, uh, right? Kevin James. Yeah, but that's where it doesn't make sense because the first two thirds is built for a guy like Kevin James, mm. and the finale is built for someone like Arnie. Yeah, and the two don't gel very well. You know, you ha- and it's such a leap of faith. Yeah. I only had this problem, though, with a few of his comedies in the 90s. Uh, with something like Kindergarten Cop, they kept it simple. He's a cop. He always was a cop. Yeah. 
and the he happens to be thrown water element. To be honest, that's probably the best comedy he did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, easily because it makes sense. It, the whole point is it's a fish out of water comedy. Yeah, and he is. It's even more exaggerated with him because he's so clearly not meant to be in a kindergarten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas the opposite is true with. Uh, right, sorry, this is a lot more similar to Last Action Hero. Mm. Whereas, again, in that, he's built as being Arnie. Yeah. And it has that switch up towards the end where it goes from being, you know, a bit of fun and a, a tongue-in-cheek look at the action genre to being in the real world. And it has, like, like that five seconds of being almost having a point where, what's his name, the, the villain kills... Someone in the real Short world. Dance. That's yeah. it, Charles. I dance. just shot someone, someone and I did yeah. it on purpose. <laughs> and no one cares. Yeah. Shut the hell up. You know, that was that was at the point where the film should have changed and become a bit more deep. Mm. But that's the only part they used of it. And then it just became action silly. schlock in the real world again. This has a similar problem, whereas it sticks with being silly. But it, it jumps up to the 11th. Yeah. It's what? really silly. It's I really didn't feel dumb. that. I didn't feel that Arnie's character learned anything. No, because he he, he wins by luck. He literally doesn't learn anything. Did you watch the post credit sequence? Oh, he forgets to get his wife a present. Yeah, yeah. It literally like ends on the proper zoom into him being like, oh. <laughs> maybe Tim Allen was meant for this role. Oh, oh mate, <laughs> you know what? Tim Allen would have worked in this role, like, in terms of the plot, because at the time he was not. You know, he was, he was this was only improvement era, Tim Allen. Yeah, wasn't it? so he was still in shape. In fact, '96, I think this was the year he did the Santa Claus. So it's funny he's making Christmas films the same year this comes out. Yeah, because it, it was all with Disney, wasn't it? Because um, Home Improvement was ABC, which is part owned by Disney, Disney yeah. and then uh, Disney brought him on board and stuck him in contracts. Was like, well, you have to be Santa Claus forever. Yeah, um, story. Yeah. <laughs> But the thing is, he was in shape, so he could have done both scenes yeah. a little bit more believably, um, if you can believe Tim Allen. Yeah. But this, <laughs> I like Tim Allen. I don't understand the hate against him. Like, if you don't like him politically, that's fine. But that doesn't change the way his roles are, yeah. um, except for in Last Man Standing, because that's about him being a right winger. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of a slightly different one. Uh, but yeah, I can imagine Tim Allen could have done both parts of this. But even then, like the extremity of it, yeah, the goofiness is own. I think this is only remembered because Arnie's in it. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. If anyone, the, certain parts of this would work better. Like I actually genuinely, now, having said that, this film would be better if Tim Allen was the main character. It would be more believable. But it would not actually be a better film, and it would not be as well remembered. No. Arnie is what makes it memorable, despite the fact that he's not the best thing in it, yeah. and despite the fact that actually it doesn't work because of yeah. him. Well, even the last, the last like sweet bit at the end doesn't work, where the kid gives up the Turbo Man doll to Sinbad anyway, yeah. doesn't he? And he goes, "Why do I need the doll when I've got the real Turbo Man at home?" Kid, you don't think they're gonna let your dad keep that suit, do you? Like, yeah. In fact, your dad's probably going to jail. Actually, yeah. The amount of crimes yeah, he's committed. Yeah. In why one do day? they only arrest Sinbad? Yeah, they <laughs> like, never... both of them should get arrested. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he he actually does more than like. Well, no, he doesn't actually. He Sinbad does loads the bomb property things. damage, doesn't yeah, he? He does property damage. He impersonates a cop at yeah. one point. He's you know, there's a lot of crimes he commits, yeah. like a sort of a child in the ball pit. Even yeah. though you know, it was just to try and get the ball back. Nonetheless, that would still be considered to be assault. Yeah. There's a lot of things that they both should be arrested for. 
And also, how is Sinbad going to get the toy to his kid if he's in prison? Yeah. <laughs> and you never see Sinbad's kid either. No. So I misremembered, you know. I thought it was going to turn out that he just wanted it for himself. In the I end. misremembered and thought that was what it turned out. Yeah. That he was just a sad little man who still played with toys. No offence to people who collect toys. No, but um, because at the beginning... <laughs> actually, he's yes, like... offence. It's really weird that people buy toys and never take them out of the packaging. <laughs> That's so weird. It's so weird to me. I know, I know they do, I know people do it and it's part of collecting and fair enough, like live your it's life, just do, not what, for you. do what you want to do. But I was listening to a podcast the other day where someone was on about how they've got the Resident Evil Code Veronica um, soundtrack album on vinyl mm. that's got all this lovely artwork in it, but they've never seen the artwork because they've never opened it. Yeah. And I was just like, why? So it's because some things aren't designed to be easily accessible without possibly damaging it. Mm. Um, so I, I've done something recently that some people would love and some people would hate. Uh, whereas I got... I'm going to hate this, Arda. Maybe. I'm going to hate this, Gob. I got a 1993 Sonic calendar, right? Oh, you know. Some amazing artwork. You've seen pictures of yeah, it. Yeah, I've seen in our Discord on VGMP where someone said that they wouldn't have They would have kept it as a calendar. It. Now, the thing is, the calendar is A2 size, so they're quite big. Um, and they're really good artworks. It's the only large-scale versions of these artworks that were professionally printed. So I was like, I really want to see these, but I don't want to keep boshing out a 1993 calendar. Yeah. But they're really good artworks, and they, they're almost self-framed as well, because they've done in that Mega Drive box art style, where you've got like the, um, the, grid. the grid at the side, a frame, and then the artwork within the frame. So I was like, these look really cool. How am I going to show these? So what I did was I removed them from the calendar. And framed them. And framed them, and I had to get like A2 black backing so that you wouldn't see the notches at the top of the frame because <laughs> obviously at the top it's notched where it would have been flipped on a flipped calendar uh, so I framed them so now I can see them I see them every day they're really nice artworks and they go really well together yeah. but yeah somebody was like I would have kept it as a calendar but I'm like yeah I can understand because technically I should have kept it as a calendar there's people out there who are collectors who'd be like what have you ruin the damn calendar but, I'm like, but as you're I get no enjoyment out of it yeah i'll get nothing out of the calendar because it'll only go in my lockup and go nowhere in my lockup it might it, it could not necessarily get damp because it's a really good lockup but at the same token it, it could also show you could get burgled well it would it could age and i'll have never seen any of it and the worst at best it'll probably get damaged yeah. somehow in a move or something like that it could get damaged it could get problem there could be any number of problems that will happen with it and i'll never have enjoyed it and if i die someone else will go and they go fucking 93 calendar why have we got this bin it it won't go anywhere it'll just go in the bin eventually mm. where it's artwork now at least i get to enjoy it while i have it yeah but i can un i can understand both sides because some people will be like you should never you know destroy what this was to make it into something else different strokes for different folks exactly exactly i don't really have much more to say about jingle all the way it was it's the epitome of a okay film i think we should talk about the direction because it was so badly slammed mm. uh i think it would be interesting for us to look at it as a directorial piece uninspired is the word i'd use yeah I, I didn't think it was 
bad. No, I didn't watch it and go, this is terribly done. I yeah. don't understand that level, but it isn't... Like, whereas in... Um, it's uninspired by a long margin. There's not... Yeah. There's nothing it in it like that... It looks like TV directing, but look at, look at that guy's filmography. We read through it. Yeah. Nothing on there is well known for its direction. No. Um, I feel like, and I don't want to slag anyone off, but I feel like Brian Levant is... Uh, he's a gun for hire type director. Yeah, he doesn't really bring his own vision to the project. Sure, but he can meet the deadlines. He can come in on budget and deliver a watchable movie. Yeah, and do you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Like that's its own skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we, you know, people give all this praise to directors like Kubrick and stuff, and that's great. Mm. But give you a, can't give run a, a low business. Budget. <laughs> yeah, you can't run a business with a Kubrick. Or a Christopher Nolan. Or a Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Because you need people who can make their deadlines. You need people who can churn it out as well as you need artists. Yeah. And it's... I know that sounds really pretentious, artists. But there are people like that. Like Christopher Nolan, I couldn't imagine going, right, your next film, you're only going to get two million. See what you can do. Yeah. And I know that two million sounds a lot, but if you think about it in film terms, oh, it it's disappears really not. quickly yeah. with film. But if you were to go, like, you've only got two million or 20 million. Yeah. Like, his films are hundreds of millions by now. Easy. Because he's... And to be fair, he's got big visions and he's got big artistic things he does with, like, at least with the the visuals. Yeah. Uh, so I'll give him that. But, again, it's like one of those things. You need someone who you can just go, look, we're doing Jingle All The Way. It's 20 million. Do what you can. Yeah. Get it into me in time and don't go over budget. If I went to Christopher Nolan, do Jingle All The Way. Hey, I don't think you'd do it. But let's... <laughs> and I don't know why. You'd be like, where the fuck am I listening to you? Jingle All um, The Way with Killian Murphy in it. <laughs> it would definitely have Killian Murphy in it. Um, but yeah, like, even if he was like, that sounds interesting, I'll do what I can. That's not a $20 million film. No. Not anymore. That budget's ballooning. As soon as he got it, it's now $100 million minimum. Yeah. And so, yeah, you need directors who can sort of do who can multi do nah. you need different directors who can do different skills yeah it's the reason why tv directing i mean they slagged it off as it looks like a tv direction yeah. as if that's shit yeah. but actually tv directors have to be more constant than yeah film it's directors. a completely different set of skills yeah. tv directors have to be quick yeah like if you listen to any interviews with tv directors um so I, I listened to uh, Postmortem with Mick Garris. Mick Garris has done both feature film and TV. Yeah. And when he talks about TV, it's like it's a completely different skill set. Because, for example, he did a couple of episodes on a show called Once Upon a Time. Yeah. It, and he, he was saying, and I, I don't know why this never occurred to me before. He said, you don't get told at the beginning of the season, oh, you're going to be brought on to do episode 12. It's about this. They book a time in your diary when you are free, and whatever episode is in production at that's that the time, one you're doing. that's what you do. You get the script the night before yeah. you go on set. Yeah, which is why there's often, certainly in classic TV sense, uh, it might be different now because of the way the streaming is doing things, mm. but certainly in a traditional TV sense, there's not a lot of artistic direction and i don't mean that as in there's no art to it no i mean there's no no, yeah yeah there's no like they're not sat there and gone right let's how can we do this in a really unique inspired way you think they've got 24 hours to think the whole fucking thing you think when it was 24 episodes a season like an american season yeah um i mean you're talking more than an episode a week has to be shot 
really. Yeah. Actually, no, I think an episode a week so, is it, about right. It was an episode a week for because it, it would be because they'd be on set for twenty four episodes yeah. for twenty four weeks. Yeah, but um, as a director, you've got to get that all done. Mm. But also, usually, different shows. I knew this was the case for Star Trek. Anyway, um, they have like you know, you know, you get like a bibliography of yeah. or a bible, a, a series bible for yeah. characters and what they are and their overall narrative, etc. We they also sometimes have a series bible for camera work, right? So there are like uh, Patrick Stewart talked about this because Patrick Stewart directed a couple of episodes and uh, several Star Trek actors got a start trying direction on yeah. Star Trek while they were in it, and they said you know they could add flair to certain things, yeah. but most of the shots were predetermined, yeah, because it was that there was basically like a bible yeah. of shots. These are the setups we have, yeah. And you could do certain things like, well, actually, can we try a crane shot for this? Or like, not a crane, you know, like a panning shot for this. Or, and they could add these little flourishes. But overall, it was like, it still needs to look like the same show. Yeah. So that you didn't get... Because the idea, otherwise, you'd end up with 15 directors doing 24 episodes. And you'd end up like, well, these are the clearly the David Fincher episodes. Yeah. And these are clearly the Christopher Nolan episodes. And these are the Kubrick episodes. And yeah. these are the... You know, it would be so blatant that these yeah. are all mishmash. Except... And what's funny is then years later, um, in the early 2000s, I think this was, or mid-2000s, uh, you know CSI? Yes. They had their season six finale, I think it is. It's a two-parter directed by Quentin Tarantino. All right. And they deliberately marketed the fact that Tarantino had directed it and that it wouldn't look like a normal CSI. Right. Uh, they used that to their advantage. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, oh, yeah, Tarantino's come and done it and we've let Tarantino do what Tarantino does. Yeah, we're not going to tell Tarantino how to direct. Um, <laughs> yeah, really odd. Really odd choice for Tarantino yeah. as well. Though he does want to do a new Star Trek as well. Yeah, well, apparently it's not happening anymore, yeah. is it? Because he was going to be like R-rated Star Trek. Yeah, you know, fucking Sam Jackson as a fucking Klingon doing his, um, you be, know, yeah. yay, though I walk through the valley of death. I like Tarantino, but I think his Star Trek would have been a shit Star Trek. I can't imagine him doing Star Trek. I don't think Star he, Trek has not, an he, optimism to it that I can't imagine Tarantino doing. Yeah, he he's... The optimism that Tarantino has in his films tends to be a tongue-in-cheek. Oh, it's, it's so mental, but like, there's a bit of fun in this, like almost a bit of narcissism, I suppose. Not from him, but like the characters. Like when he when the guy gets shot in the face in Pulp Fiction. Oh, I just shot Marvin in the face. It's like it's almost too calm that it becomes yeah. comical. That's not really what Star Trek's positivity is. Anyway, we've gone off topic. Anyway, um, so there we have it, guys. That is the first of our Christmas films for this lovely christmas that hopefully will be a lovely christmas uh but we're recording in august so we don't know uh but yeah we will see you on the next episode for more christmas themed movies um and we hope you all have a lovely run up to the holidays catch you later